So, Mark. Yes? This week's movie is set in the very believable location of Piedmont Island. Yes, a, you know, geological feature that definitely could exist. Right, an island that's a Piedmont. It makes sense. I'm sure we'll spend a lot of time talking about Piedmont Island. But one of the big reasons that we will be is because it is a town, a community, an isolated location, entirely organized around the wedding industry. It's it's a lot. Everything there is wedding oriented. So what I wanted to know, Mark, was if you had to design a Piedmont Island, if you had to build an isolated community entirely around one industry or product, what would it be? I mean, I think that it would be fun on the island next to Piedmont Island to open Divorce Island. So like the it's ranch like from the women. Divorce ranches from the women. But it's a place you go where you have a selection of lawyers to choose from who are ready to fight whatever level of acrimony you want. So there's like different doors of like where they just have like shifting like colored faces like there's the green smiley door and there's like the red angry door yeah and then is it like the phantom toll booth where it's the same person no matter what door you go to they just behave differently now that's ideal but i don't know if we'll be able to make that happen i also you know you'd offer like a ice cream parlor for dealing with sadness child care for during custody disputes just make it a full experience happy for the family a celebration of the end of marriage right next door. That's good. Now, if I gave a real answer, it would probably be something like the town in England that has the most bookshops per capita, where you just like have bookmakers and authors in residence, and then everyone comes and buys books. Yeah, I think for the full Piedmont Island experience, you would also need to have like a print shop and things like that. Like the whole production yeah. process would take place there. Where you come and, like, you can fill out your own printing press page as one of the tourist trap ideas. Right, yes. The most tedious tourist trap idea. Yeah, something very boring. Movable type. So, it's funny. As we were thinking about this, I started thinking more and more about, like, 19th century utopian societies in the U.S. Uh, Like (laughs) the Oneida, who exists as a ceramic company now. Exactly, right. Where they're like, we're going to build a, like, communist community. And in order to have money coming in, we're going to make dishes. And so everybody inside is just like living this life designed to support our dish company. And the free love community that once hosted a future presidential assassin no longer exists. But the dish, as you said, the dishes still do. That's the one where they would practice the pullout method with postmenopausal women, right? Yes. As part of the free love. Yes. Um, They also, what I love about the Oneida community is like you got to live in it. You got to have sex with lots of people. Uh, Children were communally raised, but among the adults, because this is a religious community, you got to make sure you're always striving to be better, striving to be holier. Periodically, all the adults would get together and they would go through everyone in the community. So when it was your turn, you sit in the middle of the circle and everyone tells you all the ways that you have been sinning. It's like reverse confession. It's a community accusation. (laughs) That sounds horrible. I would not make it through that. No. But anyway, in the spirit of those kinds of communities, I was like, what's one thing you can make that you could get a lot of different sort of economic sectors like agriculture or stuff tied into, and it could also be attractive to tourists to bring in money that way. And I was like, we should build a pizza town, a town devoted to pizza. And you can have some farming associated with the pizza. You can have some industry with like the processing of some of the... A dairy farm. Exactly. And then in the end, you've got pizzas and you can make different kinds of pizza. 
and you're good to go. And you bring in some tourists for your exciting pizza. My idea was similar. Mine was about ice cream. Okay, sure. Also oh, gets yeah. you some of the like agriculture going on and production. Different I flavors. don't know that really a society centered around ice cream production would really uh, work that long. Right. I think the pizza one is a little more sustainable. I agree. Yeah. I think at the pizza town, you want to keep the slaughterhouse off the tourist path. No, I want to do it like in The Simpsons, where they go, uh, take all the kids on the field trip to the slaughterhouse. <laughs> yeah, I think these if you're kids come will to this, see how the sausage is made. If you're going to come to this island, you need to be confronted with the realities of how pizza is made. Yeah. Yeah. I do love that it's an island. The whole time in this movie, I kept picturing a horror film where everyone is trapped. Yes. There's something vaguely culty about Piedmont Island. It just really feels like you can't get off. Well, you can't get off because the ferry. Everyone says, like, ah, it's such an unpredictable schedule. Yeah. I just love that they're like, the last ferry is in seven minutes with no indication of, is that for today? Does that include tomorrow? Yeah, it's definitely the last one for today. Who knows when the next one is? Because when the man says, I'll just take the next one, they say, there is no next one. And we don't know for how long they mean. Yeah, I would love to see... I would watch, like, eight more movies, if they were better, centered on Piedmont Island. Like, I want to know about the power struggle between the mayor and Evelyn. Like, the mayor has been unopposed for a bunch of elections ever since he figured out how to make his, like, little appetizers. But that's because Evelyn runs the town. Right, that's the thing. Like, clearly, the power is with Evelyn, who is the corporate power. Like, she's Mr. Potter. Like, she has all the money tied up here. The government is a sham. Yeah. Like, the mayor is friendly. He'll conduct your wedding. He'll do your tour of the town. But he has no authority. Like, this is a story of capitalist oppression. I would watch a TV show set in this town where every week a new couple comes in and you learn their story. And you could do a comedy. You could do it horror where Evelyn is, like, slowly losing her mind and starts to torture people. And, like, drives the marriages apart. You could do a comedy where it's just, like, a different episode. You get new people. I uh, recently read a book, actually, where a wedding, this island off the coast of Ireland, these people have, like, a, I don't know, like, a big house there. And they end up renting it out to be used as a wedding space venue And at first you think they're just really excited about like, you know, getting this place on the map, having their own little business thing. And then you realize at the end that the wedding coordinator specifically targeted this like semi-famous couple to get married there because the groom had like been involved in her brother's death years ago. What? And so she brought them. She gave them an insane deal on booking their wedding here so that she could then kill the husband on this island. I mean, that sounds great. It was a good book. I did not see it coming. But that's the kind of vibes I'm getting from Piedmont Island. There's something Stepford-y about it. There really is. Something is off on this island. Yeah. And the way that it's so slavishly devoted to what is often an expression of, like, heteronormativity. You're like... We're a step away from these women being replaced with robots from Disneyland. And we will discuss all this and more in this episode of We Love the Love, a Hollywood romance (laughs) podcast. I'm Mark and I'm gay. And I'm Will and I'm a ginger. This is a podcast dedicated to examining the least important issue facing our world. Does Hollywood romance actually make any sense? And are these people actually dateable or even people not replaced by Disneyland robots? Hard to tell. It doesn't matter if the romance is a main plot or a one-scene flirtation or if it's entirely contrived by a sister. We will dig in and see what's there. And this week, 
we have been forced to cover the 2019 Hallmark original film In the Key of Love by my sister, our herald of hostility, Mora. <laughs> Resident Hallmark expert. Oh, how the turntables. <laughs> I am now forcing you to watch bad movies. Wait, is that what this is? This is revenge because you didn't like The Fly? The Fly is a masterpiece. I'm pretty sure she was open about Sign, Sealed, and Delivered being a revenge plot against The Fly. Okay, you know what? Actually, let's talk about Sign, Sealed, Delivered. Because since we last talked about that movie, we then went on and watched a bunch of those. I did not. You didn't see any of them? I saw the newest one. But I did not see any of the old. Yeah, she ones. didn't come for the marathon beforehand. I think I, I think I only caught one or two more. Yeah, I think I came in time for like one more. You watched all of them. I did not watch all of them. I watched like three more of them. That show, something about it I, draws me in and fills me with rage. <laughs> <laughs> to be clear, we have only watched some of the movies. We have not watched any episodes of the one, oh, yes. one season TV show. Although we should note that Andrea Brooks, who plays the sister in this movie... Was on an episode of the TV show Science Still Delivered. Of course she was. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but we watched more episodes, and that like hot, passionate rage I felt against the main character came back. Like red came down in front of my eyes, and yet I kept watching. It is so funny to me how strongly you feel about these movies because I don't know why. They are captivating because they are, like, quite dull, but the performances are all so so, earnest. They're so earnest, and they're all strange in very different ways that, like, you can't really look away from them. I don't understand why I react so strongly to this show. It is about people who have a god complex about the male. (laughs) I will say, so we watched the new one as it premiered, and it very much felt like it was like a soft finale. Like, oh yeah, the main two got married and then all four of the leads like walked off through the evening back to the post office for some reason. Like the night of their wedding. Yeah. And it very much felt like they were like, we don't know if we're going to get to do more of these, but at least we've wrapped up that loose end from before the pandemic. I kind of hope there's more. Look, if they do more, I'll watch them. <laughs> yeah. So the joke's on you, Mora. <laughs> We liked that one. Joke's on you because Mark is filled with rage. More rage than I have ever felt for any of the movies that you've made me watch. Yeah, but I trick Mark into watching dumb stuff all the time, so I don't care about that. I just care when you do it to me. (laughs) Yeah, I'm an easy Mark. You're the easiest Mark. Hey. You need to leave. (laughs) That's the second bad dad joke you've made today. What what was the other one I said? Uh, Something about the mayor. Oh, yeah. I said he was going to marry them because the mayor conducts the wedding. God. This movie, though, I did not react as strongly to. I was more indifferent to this one. It's hard to care about it. Yeah. But it was very fun constructing an elaborate plot about the culty nature oh, that of the was island very fun. during the movie. Right. So like that first Science Seal Delivered that we watched, this is a movie that you gave me for Christmas and said, <laughs> I thought you could cover it on the podcast. Of course. While demanding that she be on the episode, of course. Filled with hostility. So, you know, like an hour ago, all three of us sat on the couch, we watched this movie, and now here we are. And I will say, the thing that was interesting to me going into it was that Unlike Sign Sealed Delivered, I actually knew who the leads of this movie were, which is weird for a Hallmark movie. Yeah, it is weird having recognizable people. Right. Like, Mark, I think you and I both know Scott Michael Foster pretty well from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Yeah, where he's a main character for the last three, like, 
two through four. Yeah. Where he also looks much better. Yes. I mean, the th- he's not, like, unattractive in this movie, no, I don't but think something he looks about bad. his clothes were super unflattering, and his facial hair was shaved in such a weird way because it's so light that it's, no matter how long it is, it kind of looks like stubble, but it's shaved right at the jawline, which is such basic hair and makeup to know not to shave at the jawline. Yeah. Maura, did you watch Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? No. Okay. He looks hot in that show. Like, he looks fine in this movie. In that one, in part because he's always wearing, like, suits that fit really well. He looks or shirtless. Scott Michael Foster. Yeah, or shirtless. He's also singing better songs in that show. There's a lot of original music in this movie. Yeah. So the songs are written by Julie Foldesey, who is one of the movie's three credited writers. One of the things about In the Key of Love is that, like, oftentimes when we watch these Hallmark movies, like when we do them for Christmas, we go in and we see, like, oh, these people all have, like, 30 Hallmark credits to their name. And that's not really true with In the Key of Love. Most of these people have, like, almost no credits. So, like, Julie Foldesey wrote the songs. She seems like she's mostly a theater person. That's fine. The other credited writers are Joe Ricci. This is his only screenplay credit on IMDb. And he only has six TV acting credits between 1987 and 2009. And nothing after that point until writing In the Key of Love. The other writer is Kevin Duda who is mostly a writer and producer of, like, internet content, like, original third-party web series. So, like, it's a weird combination of people that put together this very boilerplate Hallmark movie. Its director is more in that vein. Uh, Claire Niederprum did make a bunch of TV Christmas movies. So, like, she fits into this, but it's a weird thing of, like, it's got famous actors, even in the supporting cast, like, famous for Hallmark, where, like, like you've got Colleen Winton, who was on Stargate and The X-Files. And she plays Evelyn, the the cult matriarch of the town. Um, We should mention, Mark, this might not even be a movie that you're aware of. Claire Niederprum, the director of this movie, directed one theatrical movie. She directed the 2018 adaptation of Little Women. I think I heard that it existed. Is that the Christian one? So, yeah, it's produced by Pure Flix, the Christian film studio. That actually has changed their name now. To like Paramount or something. It can't be Paramount. That's a movie. <laughs> but it, it's something. It, it sounds like Paramount. It sounds like Summit. It's some kind of like mountain Paramount. Thing. It's some kind of mountain thing. Okay. Apex. Okay. They're Pinnacle Peak. Pinnacle Peak. Okay. Are they trying to move away from like overtly Christian? No, I think they are trying to be less obviously Christian and still make their very Christian movies. Mm-hmm. Like their streaming service is still called Pure Flix. They just changed the name of the studio. I have not seen that version of Little Women. I don't think it is like an aggressively Christian Little Women. It's just kind of weird that it came out a year before the Greta Gerwig yeah. one. Yeah. And it's set modern day, I think. Oh, yeah. is it? Yeah. Oh. It stars Leah Thompson as Marmee and uh, Lucas Grabeel as Laurie. I did not know about this, and I feel like I need to watch it now. <laughs> it's funny. He feels like an old Laurie. Yeah. I did have a thought while we were talking about this. Another fun island to do would be Hallmark Movie Island. Oh, that's a good one. It exists. It's called Utah. (laughs) (laughs) True. But this way, you have everyone forced on your island and they can't leave to be in better movies. (laughs) Look, I mean, once you get into that ecosystem, it, it keeps you there. It's such a cash cow, I'm sure. And, you know, I mentioned Andrea Brooks, who plays the sister was on an episode of the TV show Sign Sealed Delivered. She's also in the main cast of Wind Calls the Heart, like the big Hallmark show. 
the one that okay. uh, <laughs> Lori Laughlin is on. I know oh. nothing about this show. I like how you said that. Like it's something we should know. <laughs> and Laura and I are both just like, I don't know. <laughs> it's their main ongoing series. Excuse me for not being up to date on Hallmark's main series. You're the one who brought us the movie. I don't from follow them, them in, at all. I walk into their store once a year and pick a movie <laughs> off the shelf. This better be a run, like annual thing. Oh, it definitely. I is. I was thinking it maybe didn't have to be. Oh no, it definitely will be. <laughs> Your film collection is going to be like half good movies or a third good movies, a third dollar movies you buy at the store for the podcast. And then the rest will just be terrible movies from Mora. The dollar movie collection has been going down because there's a little free library a block from me. So every once in a while, I just pull a couple DVDs and put them in the little free library and they go. Do they? Yeah. Oh, wow. And like, I'm happy that makes people happy. I recently had an issue where I bought a... Uh, I bought a steelbook of Spielberg's The Adventures of Tintin. Really lovely cover. And when it arrived, I put it in the Blu-ray player. And it said that it was from the wrong region. Oh, no. Because even though eBay said that it was a region-free Blu-ray, it turned out it was not. So I bought a second American Adventures of Tintin Blu-ray DVD combo. Took the Blu-ray disc out. Put it in the steelbook. Put the European disc in that one. And I just put a post-it on the box that said... DVD is good. Blu-ray is European region. Put it in the little free library, and it went. Wow. I mean, I think, did you try it in your Xbox? Because I don't think those are region locked. At least the PlayStation isn't region locked anymore. I should have tried it in the Xbox. I probably should have tried it in my 4K player, because this was before I got the 4K Blu-ray player. And I know 4K discs are not region locked, so that player might have been able to read it. What a weird thing we went through with region locking. Yeah, uh, dumb. At least video games have moved away from it. Yeah, and, you know, if you buy 4K discs, and why wouldn't you? Then you're past it with movies, too. It was very annoying living in Singapore and having to buy video games only when we were in America. Oh, yeah, that's weird. That does seem very annoying. So, we talked about Scott Michael Foster. You and I know him from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. He was also in the main cast of Greek, which somehow ran for four seasons. He also was Kristoff on Once Upon a Time, which I just think is kind of funny. Yeah. Once Upon a Time was like a weird show that we all agreed to let run for seven years. I never watched it. <laughs> I've never seen an episode. I, I know some people have, and I yeah. got it confused with happy endings a lot, and people keep telling me to watch happy endings, but I think they mean Once Upon a Time, and I'm like, I'm not going to watch a show with ca- hot Captain Hook. <laughs> Just like the weird, like even in the age of like Marvel shows and like the Book of Boba Fett, like no show has felt more like fan fiction than the concept of Once Upon a Time. It's like, what if all these characters were friends together and also some random, like, author inserts? It's a weird concept for a show. Now, our other star is Laura Osnes, who has a Tony Award and a Drama Desk Award. She is not very good at this. No, I think she is... I think Scott Michael Foster is pretty solid in it. He's trying. I think he does a good job with bad material yeah he's doing his best and i think laura osnes meets the material at its level which is a pretty low i was gonna say i think she's fine she's definitely not at the level of like the floral lady who just truly cannot act but that loops around to me liking it yeah because that has that like mom in birdemic quality where i'm like did you just like walk into a floral shop and talk to the lady who worked there maybe 
I just, I feel like the problem, one thing with this movie is they left the Hallmark bubble in an attempt to get better actors, but you need Hallmark actors in these movies who understand the material. <laughs> okay, but this is not Laura Osnes's only Hallmark movie. I saw her in a Christmas movie last year that was re- also really bad. <sighs> she's just a, I guess she's just a stage actress at heart. Yeah, but she's got to be at least, she can do screen because she got her break. Like she was growing up in Minnesota doing theater there her big break was she won the grease you're the one that i want reality show to cast the leads of the new broadway grease revival i did not know that was a thing yeah in like 2007 what a weird time that we live in (laughs) i mean that was still like american idol was like one of the number one shows on tv at that point yeah did you see the chorus line one no i knew it existed but i didn't see it it's not really a reality TV show like that. It's more of a documentary of the casting process that was actually really interesting. That does sound cool. And I think that's like that's the way of doing it interestingly rather than a competition. Mm-hmm. The Grease one was a legit American Idol inspired competition show wow. where like yeah. there are judges and there's audience participation. Audience all... participation. Oh, yeah. oh my god. This was like They interview people at the cattle call. Then they interview the people that make it through to the next level. And then you start seeing the life of the people who are making it to the finals. I think you would actually enjoy that one. That does sound cool. Yeah. But so yeah, from there, Laura Osnes, she's on Grease. She was in the original cast of Bandstand. She played Hope Harcourt in the Sutton Foster revival of Anything Goes. She got a Tony Award for Bonnie and Clyde, a movie that we covered that was adapted into a musical. She got a Drama Desk Award for the 2017 revival of Cinderella. And last year, she was going to be in a production of Crazy for You, but she dropped out because they instituted a COVID vaccine requirement, and she did not want to go along with that. Oh, Oh, no. Don't love that. Oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) I think now I know why her name is familiar. (laughs) Yes, she was uh, very adamant that it's just a personal choice and people should respect one another's personal choices. Ew. Folks, get a vaccine. Yeah, come on. She, like, intimated on Instagram that it had something to do with, like, fertility stuff. And it's like, the COVID vaccine doesn't affect fertility. You know what does affect fertility? Having COVID. Ugh. Well, I was going to say a nice thing about her, but now I don't want to. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, it's very easy to get a vaccine. It's, it's, oh my god. I love vaccines. They're cool. I was, I, I was pro-vax even before COVID hit, where I was like, shoot me up with everything out there, (laughs) just for fun. My yellow fever vaccine that I got for traveling, where I actually needed it, is about to or has expired, and I'm like, should I go get another one just in case? I also just love giving vaccines, to be perfectly honest. Yeah? There's nothing I love more than working a vaccine clinic. Wait, tell us why. I don't know. I just think it's fun. Just like, give a vaccine. Next person, give a vaccine. But like, you prefer vaccines to other like shots? Well, I don't really give a lot of shots. There aren't really a lot of other shots. I don't know. I don't think about this. I mean, I I do give like some. Like, Like, I know you also like drawing blood. Well, yeah, I just haven't done that in a while because at my job, they have phlebotomists who do that. So I don't really do that so much anymore. But I do enjoy doing that. I don't know. This is now making it sound like I just like sticking needles in people, but... It does sound that way. <laughs> I, don't I think know. you do. You told me when you were in college, you and your classmates would practice drawing each other's blood for fun. No, not in college. Um, At my first job. We didn't <laughs> oh, do it in college. Of course. Yeah. Um, do you want to yeah, give course. me a yellow you fever vaccine just for funsies? You have to practice on people before funsies? you do it on patients. 
Yeah. It just sounded like you were doing some of it for kicks. You were just stealing each other's blood, we is what it sounds to like. Get better. Sure. Would you like someone to stab you who has never done it on anyone would else I like before? Some, wait, would I like someone to stab me who has never stabbed <laughs> someone before? I'd prefer nobody be stabbed, if I can go with that, Mora. Would you like someone Miss, to stick Miss, a needle in you? Miss criminal advice expert. Would you like <laughs> someone to stick a needle in with you in you to try and get blood if they have never done it on someone before? Everyone has to have their first time, so we made everyone, we all practiced on each other so we could all have experience before going out into the world to do it. Unfortunately, okay. this sounds like a good idea, Yes, but I still don't like it because it sounds like you're stealing each other's blood. Yeah, I don't know what kind of like spells you're casting. No, we just threw it out after. Oh, right. You told me you had a big bucket where you put everyone's blood together. <laughs> no, but actually I looked up recently, um, one of my friends and I were talking about stuff like this and like like what they do with that kind of thing or what they do with like placentas after women give birth or what they do with random. Like... Don't they incinerate it? Yeah, that's what we found out. They like take it to an island and burn it all. I don't know that it's always Is on it a... Piedmont Island? And, and, <laughs> I was going to say, now that I'm saying this, I don't know if it's always an island, but they do burn it somewhere. It sounded like a kind of lengthy process. It goes to many locations but there's no bucket of nurse blood sitting around no it's just been burned in a fire exactly yeah i love it when someone takes it sounds my blood more and like a it. curse that sounds like a spell it sounds like they are cursing me anyway wow. okay in the key of love yeah what, what do you want it's a hallmark movie it came out in 2019 it stars an anti-vaxxer and a guy from crazy ex-girlfriend <laughs> should we start talking about the romance yeah i don't there's know what more i can say about it. behind it the DVD doesn't have any special features. Right, you can play movie there's... or turn on subtitles. Right. <laughs> All right. So every week we break down the romantic plot line into five points. Mora, will you take us to point number one? I will. So point number one is sort of just some background information. So our oh, two. Oh, oh, I see. You can do background in a point number one <laughs> in because a movie... the last time you were on this show, you in- you demanded. A point zero in violation of our rules. In a movie that doesn't have that much going on, yes, I will use one of the points to disclose background information. <laughs> when a movie is 83 minutes, <laughs> you have the room. So Jake and Maggie are leads. They used to date, and they were a singing duo. And before the movie starts, they broke up. We don't really know why right away. They were together for three years, Two I think. Two years. Two years, and yeah. they've been apart for three years. Something like that. I know there's a two and a three. If we go with what you're saying, which I have no reason to disbelieve, that means they have now been broken up longer than they were together. Yeah. And, and it's I been just a while. Think, I just think that's worth keeping in our heads. Yeah. They were definitely together for two years. I remember that. I do remember that also. I also just think it's worth remembering that, like, it's been several years since they were together also. It's not like they were together for several years, but just broke up. You yeah. Know? Everyone should chill out about this relationship. Yeah. It's well in the past. I guess the other, like, one of the things is that they were a good band at the same time. Yes. Maybe that's one of the reasons why they're trying to get them back together, but But it's weird know. that like when we meet her grandma, her grandma is just like sitting in her office watching their music videos on her laptop. I also I don't that. know like how big of a band they really were though because it's the, hard to say. But at the end of the movie when one of their songs is going to be they're going to be like an opener for this other musician and someone says like the world will finally get to hear a what are their names? Colby and Cash. Colby and Case. Colby and Case song, which makes it sound like the world has not really heard Colby and Case songs before. No, they it were sounds... about to, yeah. like, they were going to perform for a producer. Right. And then they broke up. It sounds like they are one of several, several groups in Nashville that play local music and were close to getting a production contract. Okay. So that's what happened before. Now, Maggie 
lives on Piedmont Island with her grandma, Nana. Who, who is the queen of Piedmont Island. Yes. <laughs> the power behind the mayor's throne. <laughs> And Maggie is the wedding photographer for all the weddings that take place on this island. Right. We are told at different points that music is now her hobby and also that she never performs music anymore. Yes. Uh, The movie is inconsistent about whether or not she still plays at all. But I do want to emphasize just how this island exists entirely for weddings. So you must get the whole island at a time because you pull up in your ferry. There's a sign over the dock that says like 3,000 something weddings performed, which doesn't feel like that many, honestly. And then there's one florist, one baker. You do your cake tasting and your flower picking when you get to the island like the week before. You know, as someone who's planning a wedding, there is something appealing about like, I know you just show up and in one week, like all the decisions are put in front of you. I did think about that. I was like, this feels weird, but also it's kind of nice. As opposed to like, you know, I'm going through my life and then suddenly like I get an email from a photographer that's like, we still need to schedule some stuff. And I'm like, you're right. And I didn't have that in my head. Yeah. As I spent two hours today reaching out between Dick and I to four different florists to set up calls. That said, I would not want Laura Osnes shooting my wedding because all of her pictures stink every time we see them. They're oh bad. Oh my God. It made me so grateful for our photographer who took amazing engagement photos. For starters, like half the time they're just like bad candids and the other half they're like incredibly narrow focus. So like you get Poorly like staged. one flower and mm-hmm. nothing else. Which for a couple of pictures is maybe okay, but you don't want all of them like that. Yeah. So point two is Maggie's there on this island ready to, you know, help welcome this next couple onto the island. The something Colby wedding. Yes. And who walks down the little pier off of the ferry boat but Jake? It's even crazier than that. She's been sent down to take photos of them getting off and she has her like giant telephoto lens, which is the only lens she ever uses. She only uses a telephoto lens in the reception room. And... She's there and she's like taking photos of the boat and she sees Scott Michael Foster through the lens and she's like, what is happening? Yeah, she starts freaking out. Like, what is this man doing on this island? And given the names, she's like, this is clearly my ex's wedding. Yes. Which I also thought. Yeah, me too. Would be a more interesting movie. So he walks up and she's like, oh my gosh, like, who's the lucky lady? And he's all confused and he's like, oh, no, 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 it's not my wedding. It's my sister's wedding. And the sister then gets off the boat. And goes over to say hi to Maggie and is like, oh my gosh, like, I'm, it's so happy to see you. She puts up, like, 30 seconds of, like, oh my gosh, you're here. And then immediately is like, I conspired to bring this about. Like, I wanted to have my wedding here and then specifically requested you to photograph my wedding, but also specifically requested that you not be told who was coming here to get married. Yeah, she and Evelyn were in on this together. This is a crazy plan it's so awful because it also leads to her getting terrible pictures because she should have looked at her gallery online (laughs) so there's a lot of moments of this week leading up to the wedding where the sister is really just shipping maggie and jake like where they're getting their hair done together or the sister is getting uh, like a hair trial done or something and everyone's wanting to know how maggie and jake met Why? I don't know. Like, why is this a big topic of discussion when they broke up years ago? Like, it's weird that 
it's such a big thing. Everyone is obsessed with this long ago relationship. And it's yes. like, have they done nothing with their lives since then? Even to the point where I mean, like- it sounds like it. It's weird with Maggie where like still in her like living room, she has boxes that say Nashville stuff apparently unpacked for three years. Yeah, it's very weird. It should have been like- Six months yes. since they broke up, and they should have been an actual, like, signed band. All of the behavior would make more sense if it were six months instead of three years. Oh, absolutely. It's weird. I feel like for how long it's been since, people should be like, oh, you used to date the guy? Like, what oh, happened? Whatever. One quick story, and then you move on. But instead, the whole week is people being like, oh, like, what's going on with you and Jake? Or like, ooh, like... Why don't we talk more about you two as a couple? And like, oh, like, you guys look so great together. Like, maybe you should be together again. Three years is long enough to have a new relationship and break it off. Yes. Yes. I think this brings us to point three. Yeah, where this is like, they've kind of accepted each other's presence there. Jake is like, this is not a thing that I would have chosen, but this is about my sister's wedding. Like, I think he's very mature about it. Maggie is like, I I guess I have to do this, but I would prefer not to. Yeah. They both feel really weird about it, but Jake's sister is, like, just really fawning over Maggie a lot. It's strange. What's funny is, like, she's so determined to have Maggie be like, you're here with us. You're, like, part of our family and friend group that she's constantly being like, Maggie, don't bother to take photos. Like, just come in with us. And it's like, that's dumb. Like, you're paying her to take photos. But also, I get it. Her photos are bad. Yeah, it's very weird. So then in point three, um, there's having a little bonfire, like everybody who's there for the wedding. And the sister who's getting married, I don't know her name. I just keep calling her the sister. But the only names I know are Maggie, Jake, and Evelyn. Which is funny, you know, the siblings, Jill and Hall. Uh, <laughs> then Evelyn and Sasha. Oh, yes. Sasha is Maggie's friend. Sasha, who is like the witch in training. <laughs> So they're at this bonfire, and the sister is like, oh my gosh, Jake and Maggie, you have to sing one of your songs for us. And Maggie's like, no, I don't have my guitar. Like, I'm really not interested in that. And Jake is like, Please just respect her boundaries. Let (laughs) her move on from this three years ago relationship. And Jake is like, oh, Evelyn actually had me bring your guitar down to the fire pit. And I also have mine. So we are fully equipped to sing a duet for you. So they end up singing this little song of theirs that they had written together. All the music in this is so mediocre. Yeah. Like the original music. It's not bad, but it's painfully not good. Yes. I was excited, like, before when I read, like, oh, like, Julie Foldesy, like, wrote original songs for this. Like, that sounds fun. Original music in a Hallmark movie. And, yeah, they're just kind of dull. Yeah. So... Anyway, then after they finish, the sister is like, oh, my God, you guys need to sing the song for our first dance. That's all I want. And Maggie's kind of like, yeah, I don't really know. And Jake's like, I mean, it's my sister's wedding day. I'm sure, you know, she would really like it and just kind of like pushes Maggie into agreeing to it. But after the bonfire... Jake and Maggie take a little canoe out into this lake, or I guess the Pacific or whatever. I forgot they're on an island. I assume it's like a strait of some kind. Yeah. And just start chatting, and they push each other off of the canoe into the water. They're reminiscing. They go back inside, and they're getting all cozy on a bench together, and they almost kiss. He is fully going for the kiss. 100%. And at, at the last second, she's like, no, and turns her face she's away like, a little bit. Actually, we should go to bed before the wedding tomorrow. Bye. 
So that's that. She fully turns him down. Oh, but she also does ask him because there's this whole other side plot where he's a music producer and he is maybe going to be going out of the country to tour with his musician's band or whatever. Yeah, with Ashley Z. Yeah, Ashley Z. And she's kind of asking about like if he's going to go and like what the situation is like with that. So she is kind of like feeling out what his future plans are, but also just like fully shuts him down when he tries to kiss her. Have they already saved the day with the flowers yet? This is like or around that, that next. Yeah. I think it's the next day. Because that's another thing that brings them together. Yeah, the the flowers for the wedding are in a refrigerator that breaks. Slash oven. <laughs> so the temperature in the fridge somehow gets up to 115 degrees. Keep in mind, everyone is dressed like it's autumn on an island off Vancouver. Yes. But the refrigerator, like, it's one thing when, like, a fridge breaks and everything gets to room temperature. <laughs> That's not what happens. This one, it heats up. It goes to 115 degrees. You could boil water in this refrigerator. I, I think it was 115 Fahrenheit. I'm not sure if it was 115 Celsius. I choose to believe it was Celsius. <laughs> no, it was Fahrenheit. I don't think you could boil water in it. But yes. So anyway, they're all stressed. They're talking about the fact that the flowers have wilted and everyone's talking about it as if someone has died. (laughs) They're like like putting their hands over their heart. I'm so sorry for your loss. (laughs) Everyone's looking around at each other like about to They take weddings very seriously on Piedmont Island. And uh, Jake and Maggie realize like, oh my gosh, we should go to the mayor's house and the mayor has this beautiful garden and they take his flowers. The only thing the mayor is good for because he has no power. Yeah. So I think that helps bring them together, too, trying to save the day there. Yeah. All right. I think this brings us to point four. Yes. So then we mentioned Jake having this whole situation with Ashley Z, the singer. So there was this big song that was going to be on her new album, but then the songwriter pulled out and was like, actually, I'd rather just record this song myself. You can't have it. So it was going to cause a whole issue. Feels like they should have gotten that contract wrapped up like more than a week before she went on tour. Yeah. But then Maggie ends up rewriting one of her and Jake's old songs and tells Jake that Ashley Z can use it on her album. This song, not good. It's the worst one, too. I, like, bought into it. I was like, oh, this song, like, maybe it'll be exciting. And yeah, I agree with you, Mark. It is the worst song in the movie. <laughs> yeah, it is, actually. So Ashley Z listens to it. She loves it. She calls Jake, like, right after the wedding ceremony is over. And she's like, I love it, but I need you to get back here ASAP. Like, you need to take a red eye so we can go get this ironed out. And his sister is fully on board. She's like, yes, you have to take this opportunity, like leave my wedding reception now and go take the only ferry left off this island for the next year and it's brigadoon there's one opportunity to leave for the next hundred years but remember jake and maggie were supposed to sing the first dance song together which has not yet happened so jake pieces out and maggie has no idea initially i actually appreciate how supportive the sister is in that moment after having been low-key horrible for the entire movie she's like You were here for the most important part of this. Go do this thing that's important to you. Yeah. So she is very supportive. In that one moment, the rest of the movie, she's manipulative and bad. And when Maggie realizes that Jake is gone, you know, she's pretty sad, but she's like, all right, whatever. I'll just sing this song myself. So she gets up there on the stage. She starts singing the song. And what do you know? But a a male voice starts harmonizing with her and the crowd parts ways and we see Jake standing in the crowd on the dance floor with a microphone singing along. It is 
truly bananas. We cackled, all of us. Oh, yeah. It's so funny when, like, you start to hear his voice, and, like, I assumed he was going to come up behind her and join her at the standing mic. Yes, on stage. Instead, like the, like you said, the crowd just parts for this wireless performance. And it's weird because the first dance is going on, but he just stays on the dance floor singing and staring at Maggie. And it's like, get out of the way of the couple and go up on stage where you belong. Don't make this wedding about you. Yes, which they constantly do. I mean, I will say there are times where the bride makes it about them too, well, which is that's even true. weirder. Well, I think it's a thing of like the bride realizes that because she's getting married, she can no longer have sex with her brother. So she wants to make sure someone else does. That is weird, Will. Don't say that. <laughs> they have more chemistry than anyone else in the movie. A weirdly common thing in Hallmark films. <laughs> so yeah, so point five is Jake coming back, singing this first dance song with her. Then afterwards they go out and talk. And he's like, you know, oh, I didn't go, obviously, to Ashley Z, but she wants us to both go and go on tour with her as her opening act. And Maggie decides they should do that, and they go off, and that's the end. Well, her grandma legit fires her, too, so oh, it's yeah. not like she has a reason to stay on Piedmont Island. That is true. Her grandma's like, I can tell you really love singing. You should do that instead of working here as a photographer also because I like being a photographer and I want to do it instead. So you need to go do something else with your life. Yeah, because she is like a controlling, power-hungry woman dominating the captive community of Piedmont Island. Yeah. All right. So do we find the romance between Maggie and Jake believable? No, I think too much time has passed. Yeah, they should be fully over each other. Even, Even though they had this creative partnership that apparently like, worked decently well like they also it sounds like they honestly really struggled to work together like she's complaining about him not being spontaneous but at the same time he was like constantly changing things on her at the last minute which sounds kind of spontaneous to me like her complaints about him are inconsistent i mean this movie's just badly written they're super passive aggressive to each other yeah it seems like a very hostile situation that will not be improved by them like, getting back together, like, Maura, you're a hostile person. Like, what do you think of all this? Excuse you. <laughs> I just, well, yeah, I think he is a little bit, like, controlly at times. Like, you know, she's going to take photos of the couple, and he's, like, looking at the camera, and he's like, oh, like, this shot isn't set up very well. And she's like, yeah, that's because I haven't actually, like, set up my camera yet. It's just sitting there on the tripod. And there was something else that he was trying to, like, fix of hers. And by the end, he's doing it kind of in a joking sense, but. I don't know. That really rubbed me the wrong way. So on a scale of 1 to 10, where 1 is the least believable and 10 is the most, where would you rate the romance between Maggie and Jake? I don't know. Like, maybe like a 4? I feel like it would be more realistic for me to see them just getting back together as music partners than as music and romantic partners. And maybe once they had been together as music partners for a little while longer again, maybe the romance would return, but I don't necessarily that I buy them both coming back right away. They started like too acrimonious for three years apart. And then they were so passive aggressive to each other. I'm going to give it like a three. And the situation is like so contrived in a way that annoyed them both, which I think makes sense. Mm -hmm. I'm a two on this. I'm going lower than both of you. Oh, wow. Do you find Maggie or Jake dateable? No. Maybe Jake. I think Jake is the more dateable one for me. But it's hard hard to get a sense of his flaws because she's inconsistent about what his flaws are. Like, is it that he's not spontaneous at all or that he, like, changes stuff without telling her? I don't know. I don't know that we get a good sense of what her flaws were in the relationship. 
I find her annoying. I find her annoying. <laughs> I find him annoying. I find him annoying too. So then, no, they're not dateable. Well, yeah. I just think if I had to choose one, like, I might choose her. Do you think they'll stay together? No. 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 They have a bad relationship that will not persist. Yeah, I don't know, though. I think they could. (laughs) (laughs) I don't necessarily buy them getting back together right now, but I don't know. I hope their music career works out, at least. Yeah. Maybe there'll be, like, a a Fleetwood Mac situation, and they'll break up again, and it'll be their best album yet. Oh, yeah. Uh, If you did have to pick one person in this movie to date, though, who would you pick? We talked about this while we were watching the movie, and we were all just like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, Sasha, Maggie's friend, is, like, a little bit annoying, I think, but she does at least, by the end, kind of stand up for herself in getting the job that she wants, you know, standing up to Evelyn. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's good. She's driven, you know? I'm going with the flower lady. No. Yeah. Uh, she's such a bad actor. No, you cannot want to be with her. <laughs> I want to be with the flower I'm lady. I'm vetoing that. She I'm... <laughs> seems perfectly nice and oh unlike God. most people, non-threatening. Now, is she the person in this movie who is probably most likely a Stepford robot? Yes. But I'm still going with that. I'm going to go with the groom because he is I was thinking about that also. Tall, All right, well, that's the actual answer. handsome, and I mean- could do more to slow down this crazy plot that yeah. his soon-to-be wife is doing, but he's very nice and supportive, so. A I, nice note for you, Mark, is that the groom does not care about sports. Yeah, that's also true. I was also thinking the groom's, like, best man or friend or whatever. He is, he's, the, he's the silly, goofy guy. He has, like, a very, very minor part, but, you know, he seemed fine enough. He's the one where you feel like when they wrote it, they named the character a Kevin Hart type. Yes. Yeah. All right. So many of the movies we've covered have been staged on the Great White Way. Do we need a In the Key of Love musical? Now, we should note, we do have original songs, but Laura Osnes cannot reprise her role because she would have to get vaccinated. (laughs) I was going to say, it almost is like a little bit of a musical already just with their own music. So I do think it could work. But why? Yeah, I mean, I don't think (laughs) it needs to happen, but I think it, it could be fine. It could be like pretty on par with what we have already. It It wouldn't really add anything. It could be done, but it would be, like, the most disposable, forgettable musical. Like, it's not worth... Like, if the question is should, this isn't worth doing. All right. I think that's about it for In the Key of Love. Until the next time you thrust a a TV movie upon us. Uh Uh-huh. It will happen. Yeah. It's a question of when, not if. I can't wait. Next week, we will be covering... A movie. (laughs) Uh, We're recording this one in advance because you're going to be traveling for a long time, so we don't know when we'll be able to record with you next. Yep. So we're going to put this episode out sometime, and I will drop in the title of next week's movie right here. It's going to be... It Follows, the 2015 sexually transmitted monster horror movie. That's a listener request from our listener, Connor, so check it out. We can guarantee that it will be... A movie. Sounds like a great choice. Oh god, what if it's another emergency wag tent TV episode? <laughs> I, I wish. I keep checking. What if still not canceled? <laughs> um, let's just drop in some references where we are. Cyrano <laughs> just opened. Uh, Moonfall still hanging out in theaters. 
<laughs> All right. Until next week when we watch another movie, you can follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Love the Love Pod, and you can email us questions or movie suggestions at lovethelovepod at gmail.com. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe, especially on Apple Podcasts, to help other people find the show. All right, Maura. What's the best piece of dating advice we got from In the Key of Love? Uh, all right, I got it. If there is someone you are interested in, make sure you are stranded on an island together with them where they have no other options. <laughs> Things will my, probably work that's out. That's like kidnapping. Your idea is kidnapping. <laughs> my advice, keep a microphone on your person at all times, <laughs> just in case. I'm going to say, God, there's no good advice in this movie. <laughs> um, kidnapping's not looking so bad now, huh? <laughs> If it's possible to provide a little help to your partner professionally, that can be a nice thing to do. Like how she helps him out with the song. But also she should have been paid for it. Well, yeah, Yeah, obviously. All right, there you go. Until next time, I'm gay. And I'm a ginger. So between the two of us, we know everything there is to know about romance. Bye! My friends say that I'll get over you. Someday I'll start, but I am. Still so in love Wishing you were here I'm out of my mind But I'm still so in love Still with you now I'm still with you now Still so So in love